0: From Portland, Oregon, this is the Jewish Review Podcast. I'm Rockney Roll. Coming up this episode, we ring in the new year once more, but this time for the Trees. It's tu Bishvat. To welcome the new year of the Trees, I talked with David Stein, one of the co-leaders of the rewatched MushPod West PTX, as well as a professional arborist. We discuss some of the history of tu Bishvat and how we can take this opportunity to slow down connect with, and care for our natural world. Stay with us. The Jewish Review Podcast is brought to you by the Jewish Federation of Greater Portland, presenting Voices from Israel. Continuing through February, this webinar series will bring a diverse group of perspectives on the situation in Israel to your screen each Wednesday morning. Learn more at JewishPortland.org slash Israel webinars. Now, here's David Stein. David Stein, welcome to the Jewish Review Podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So tell me about your Jewish journey.
1: Yeah, so I'd say it started in Sarasota, Florida, where I was born. I attended a Chabad preschool, and from there I continued to go to Hebrew school Study for a bar mitzvah, had my bar mitzvah in Spokane, Washington, then continued to be involved with my community as a Majachim, so helping tutor the next generation of B'nai Mitzvah kids and helping with uh, learning Hebrew with them. And then attended Midrash HaChai and continued to be involved with youth groups, Jewish sleepaway camp, all those sorts of things. Went off to college, got involved with Chabad on campus, would attend their. Friday night Shabbat dinners they had weekly, and just always had Judaism continue to be an underlying theme of my life, and it always has existed, and I
0: think it's safe to say it always will. And it's continuing to exist now as you and your cousin are running the newly set up, newly revived uh, Mushpod West PDX.
1: Exactly. Yep. So it's cool to see how I continue to grow and enter new chapters in my life, how Judaism continues to not only remain relevant, of course, but find ways to incorporate it into my social life, business, all of the above. And it's really easy to do. And that's something I appreciate about Judaism is the more I get older and the more I study it, I find that it is extremely relevant to the lives we live today. Even though a lot of these stories are rather biblical and can sometimes seem somewhat antiquated, there's a lot of values that I still incorporate, I feel, in my day-to-day life. Speaking of business, you are, as I understand, an arborist. That's right. So, I recently started my own tree business here in Portland, Oregon. It's called Tranquility Tree Care. And I've been a production climbing arborist for about four years. But I would say my involvement in tree care began when I was about 18 in college. So, that's about nine years ago. And I worked on my school's five acre farm, Western Washington University, is where I attended. They have a a little farm on campus called the Outback Farm. And I was one of the coordinators out there. So it was during that time I learned basic pruning principles and how to maintain and take care of the trees on the landscape. And then once I graduated from college, I joined a salmon restoration crew. And we would actually plant shrubs and trees all along the riparian water zones throughout Walcom County. So we were planting a lot of native shrubs and trees And then we became a trail crew during the summer, and we actually had to do a little bit of tree work out on the trail while expanding a hiking trail an additional three and a half miles. So I've kind of gotten to experience arbiculture and tree work in many different forms. So I continue to enjoy learning about the trees and working with them, and I love climbing now. It's a blast.
0: Were you previously not so much into the climbing?
1: Yeah, climbing is one of those things, it's kind of hard to dip your toes in the water just because it can be a little high risk. So you really have to have a good mentor and put away the time to dedicate to learning how to climb safely and all the methods involved. So it's been four years of full time with just the climbing. But prior to that, I don't think I'd ever um, entered a tree via rope
0: and a saddle. What initially drew you to to arborism, to to working with trees?
1: Yeah, so I I love working outside. I'd say the the short answer would be my time on the Outback farm. I would find I'd be busy with classes, schoolwork, life was busy, but I'd just go out to this little five-acre farm, and it just seems like all my problems would disappear, and I could just be present and relaxed. And I thought to myself, if I could find work like this and continue to do this type of work... I think I'll be really happy and that has kind of been guiding me on this career path and I went and traveled for a while and I came back to the states this was post college so now I have a college degree but what they don't tell you when you get done with college is there's no guarantee there's a job waiting for you on the other end so now I had to figure out okay what am I going to do with this degree that has to do with horticulture botany plants and there were a few different routes I could go but I had met previous arborists and had seen them hooting and hollering in the trees and thought, that kind of looks fun. What if that was me up there uh, swinging in the tree? So I began to look into getting an apprenticeship. And the biggest thing that I found to love about arborist work is it's it's a craft, a trade that you never truly become a master at. You can always improve. You're always growing, learning. There's tons of new techniques to always adapt and implement into your arsenal of tricks and skills you have doing tree work. And I find that to be really engaging. And also, I think something I should mention is that it's outside. So uh, I had worked on the trail crew, the restoration crew, and I was like, okay, I wanna work outside. Even though in the middle of winter, when you're outside getting rained on, You start to question that. You start to question, maybe that office job doesn't sound too bad right about now. (laughs) But then spring and summer comes along, and you're just out in these most beautiful parts of the Pacific Northwest. You know, I've gotten to go to some really cool job sites. And in those moments, I just think to myself, I I couldn't do anything but this. This is just so fulfilling. So much passion and joy comes from doing this work that it has become a no-brainer for me.
0: So we're coming up on the time of the year where your heritage as a Jew and your career track as an arborist uh, intersect quite nicely in Tu B'Shvat. Right. For For those who at home who might not understand, what is Tu B'Shvat?
1: Yeah, so Tu B'Shvat has often been called kind of our form of Jewish Earth Day. Mm-hmm. And it's a holiday that kind of celebrates the trees. It's actually celebrating the birthday of the trees. But I, I did a little research before this, so I came a little prepared. Through my research, I discovered that the basis of the holiday wasn't always about just celebrating the trees, although it's always been somewhat a part of it, but it was actually a tax day. So initially, the point of Tu was to take all the fruit from the previous year that was harvested, and there's notes that say they were sure to not mix the present harvest versus last year's harvest, so it was important to keep those separate for records, and they would take 10% of the harvest and donate it to those in need. And I think this is actually a really beautiful sentiment that is another interesting factor or a lesson we can learn from Tu is how we are playing a role in supporting our community and consciously always giving back and participating in Tikkun Olam. But the basis of the holiday is the celebration of the trees. It's the birthday of the trees. I think it's cool we have a day that we're celebrating the birthday of one of the oldest living organisms, trees, also one of the tallest, you know, largest organisms that can grow on Earth. So it seems very fitting that we have a day we set aside to
0: appreciate and revel in that. And as you mentioned, it's become something of a, a Jewish observance of Earth Day. What are what are some of the ways that, that you find that that environmentalist... Jewish aspect uh, manifests in your life?
1: Well, I like to plant trees. So I think it's always a good time to plant a tree. Well, I guess there are some seasons, like in the middle of <laughs> summer, I, I wouldn't advise planting a tree when there's no rain. From a, from a philosophical from standpoint. From a philosophical, that's right, right? What's the quote about a society is great when you know, p- people plant trees that they'll never sit in the shade of or something along those lines? Yeah, I think it's just uh, it's important to take a moment to slow down and, you know, we, especially here in America, it's a very fast, you know, busy pace, work, all, everything going on. And to think about our place in the grand scheme of things in the greater web of life, you might say. And something I read that I found really interesting was saying how when the Garden of Eden was supposedly created, God took uh, Adam and Eden around the garden and was saying, look at the trees and look at the beauty I've created in the world. And there's a Mishnah that talks about how it was very intentional that God was using the trees in the garden to represent the beauty of the natural world. And I think that's, uh, to this day, I think there's something to be said for that. There's something in all of us when we approach an epic, old, beautiful tree that just takes our breath away. Like We're almost humbled by it when we're standing below a hundred foot plus tree or, you know, we live close to the Redwoods, or we have some trees in the Northwest that are 150, 200 feet tall. And it just makes you feel almost small in comparison to such an epic tree that has continued to grow long before we were even born. So I think it's an opportunity to maybe
0: exercise some humility in some ways. Yeah, And yeah. humility would lead to an effort to to conserve and take care of that, which is so great and yet so fragile as our ecosystems are how how do you see environmentalism as fitting into your jewish values
1: you know it's easy to say environmentalism fits into our jewish values when we actually craft holidays that are promoting us to like appreciate trees appreciate the natural world i was reading how there's all these different tuba shvat seders people do all over the world different traditions where they sample a variety of fruits that grow in that area and they go through and they taste and they take a moment to make a bracha and a blessing over each fruit and I think that once again what I was just saying it goes back to that moment of just having appreciation for all the fruit that grows around us the abundance and I think especially today we've never lived in a more globalized economy where now we're eating fruit that traditionally uh, would not be in season due to world trade. We can just walk down the supermarket, pick up an orange, banana. It's all good. But you know, there was a time where we didn't have that luxury. So I think it's really easy to take it for granted now. But I can appreciate being a part of a religion that's going to say, hey, let's take a moment
0: and appreciate that. How do you like to observe Tu personally? I imagine you'll probably be uh, either up or around a tree of some kind.
1: Yeah, well, I can certainly tell you that I will make sure I don't schedule any tree removals on that day. (laughs) That seems like that would just be uh, too sacrilegious. That is sometimes a part of the work I do is hazardous removals need to happen. But as far as this year with tubish fat, I think it would be uh, cool to maybe plant some seeds, even if they're not outside in little pots, and start growing some starts for the spring. Yeah, just going on a walk and trying to look at trees with a little more of an inquisitive eye. Although, I must admit, every time I'm outside, I'm now
0: head on a swivel looking at the trees. (laughs) (laughs) That just comes with the the training. It does, yeah, absolutely. What would be some ideas for someone who's coming up to this time of year and thinking, I want to, I want to be better connected to nature, to, to the trees, to the environment around me. Where does somebody start with that?
1: Yeah, that is a a great question. Well, you know, it it starts right with where you're living. You know, next time you go on a a walk around the block, it's amazing how there's so much around us that I have this theory that there's so much happening in real time that we kind of just, it's like sensory overload. But sometimes I realize that every tree you see is actually a unique tree. There's no tree that's exactly the same. They might be similar species, but the actual shape, location, all creates these variables where the outcome is a tree like no other tree. And sometimes when I look at the world through that lens, it it reminds me that there's inspiration all around us if we choose to just look for it in some ways. So I'd say just looking around the the trees and the shrubs and the plants where we live locally, I think learning about native trees and native plants is really important because the last thing you would ever want to do is, you know, be like, oh, I, I want to be more involved in nature. I'm going to plant a tree. And then you find out you've planted a tree of heaven or something that's technically invasive. And then you're like, okay, that actually is not helping in the bigger picture. So I think it's really important to learn the native vegetation and what has always grown in, in the region because that is uh, already designed to grow better. So if you actually are wanting to plant something, you're going to have probably better success if you pick something that's native to the area you're in. And it's also just better for the overall ecosystem and all things around.
0: So as I alluded to earlier, you've also restarted the Moishpod West PDX with your cousin Sam. Uh, yeah. Tell me about the, the process that's brought that to life.
1: Yeah, well, Sam came up from Florida to visit me when I was at the old Moisha house, and he was just inspired by the community, what we were doing over here, so when the opportunity arose for us to potentially do a pod of our own, he was very excited, and the timing just seemed too good to be true, so we kind of just moved forward with it, and it's just been an amazing time to continue to get to know the community. You know, it, it's great because we're providing a place and an opportunity for the community to get to know each other better and create a space for friendships to be made and whatnot. But it also, on the other end of it, is creating opportunities for us to engage with our community better, opportunities like this where we're talking. So overall, it's just brought amazing, wonderful things to our lives, and I'm really thankful for the opportunity overall.
0: What are some of the programs you're really looking forward to doing in the coming months?
1: Yeah, so we are always going to do our monthly Shabbat dinner, which that is a great time. Uh, We're looking at exploring better ways of volunteering and doing Tikkun Olam in our community. And we have been in contact with Cedar Sinai. So I think there's going to be some really cool opportunities to bridge some of our community with Cedar Sinai's community and organize some group volunteer experiences.
0: So I'm excited for that one. Fabulous. What experience from from your time at, at Moisha House, uh, the the main Moisha House, so to speak, on, on the east side of Portland? What's something from that that you really want to bring forward to to your new work in, in the Pod in in West Portland? I'd say just trying to
1: determine the needs of the community and finding events that are really going to get people excited and to show up. You know, there, I learned a lot of valuable lessons at the previous Moisha House and how it's really important to gauge what the community wants and how the results kind of speak for themselves. If you do something that people really like, they show up. Sometimes when you're having to plan so many events, you might plan something that doesn't do as well as something else. So these are all things you kind of take note of and write in your little mind notepad or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, just move forward. Yeah, just continuing to strive to build Jewish community in Portland. And one thing we keep being told time and time again right now is how much people appreciate it and need it right now. So I think people are really finding that they're leaning on the Jewish community and each other right now more so than other times. So it feels really gratifying to feel like we're doing something that's
0: helping achieve that. David Stein, thank you so much for joining us on the Jewish Review Podcast. That's all for this episode of the Jewish Review Podcast. Thanks so much to David Stein for making Tubishvat all the more meaningful this season. Since recent winter weather has left quite a few folks in Portland looking for an arborist, I'll leave the email address for David's Tranquility Tree Care in the episode description. You can see all the exciting programs David and his cousin Sam are putting on through Moishpod's Instagram feed, which is at MoishpodWestPDX also linked in the episode description if you like this episode please leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice to help others find our show and click subscribe to get our latest episode every two weeks if you have questions comments or suggestions please reach out by email to editor at jewishportland.org the jewish review podcast is a production of the jewish federation of greater portland special thanks to daniel berger our theme music is by isaac joel i'm rockney roll thanks again for listening Until next time, stay warm and all the best.